Stop the presses. The Rangers have lost two games in a row for the first time since 2022. Molly Igor struggling since the All-Star break, but the Rangers, they're hoping to turn the ship around with a trip to Detroit and D.C. ahead, and they do it with their old friend, Tyler Mott, who the Blue Shirts acquired last weekend. Yeah, I mean, the vibes are still good, even though two consecutive losses. I think that the streak that they won went on 10 straight games with a point is kind of making this slight rough patch a little bit easier to swallow. So they got a familiar face and Tyler Mott back in the locker room. So no need to hit the panic button or anything. Vibes are still immaculate. Igor might have not spoke Monday, but we will. And we will speak with MSG and NHL Network analysts. Good friend of the program, former Ranger Mike Rupp. It's all coming up next on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to Center Ice for a special presentation. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. I'm Jake Brown alongside Molly Walker, Rangers beat writer for the Post. You can follow her on Twitter at Molly Walker. Two E's, two R's, and follow me at Jake Brown Radio. No Larry this week. He is at practice doing his job, and Molly is headed to Detroit, her favorite press meal. She's excited. Hot dogs and everything else that they provide there in Detroit. What is it? Little Caesars Arena? Little Caesars Arena. Yeah, not good pizza, but a, a good arena. Poor the pizza's Midwestern. not that bad. The is pizza's okay? not right. that bad, I will say. They they give you like a whole spread of all different types of pizzas that they offer, which is pretty cool. It's not that bad. Mike Rupp likes pizza, I'm sure, and he'll join us in just a few minutes. Friend of the program, you see him now. He's on MSG in the pre and post game. He's on the radio calls, NHL. He is a busy man. He's got a lot of taxes to do. Now, tax season coming up. He's got a lot of W-2s to submit this year. And, you know, the Rangers, Tyler Mott will have a few extras. You know, he's got the New York taxes uh, traded from Ottawa to the Rangers, Molly, and he's back. I mean, we'll we'll talk about the Rangers struggles. We'll talk about Igor's struggles. You know, we missed it. It was over the weekend. But Tyler Mott, what's your thoughts on Mott's return to the Blue Shirts? Well, first and foremost, I think that both sides wanted something to work out in the offseason. Um, the Rangers obviously really liked what Tyler Mott brought to their team during last season's playoff run. He was a pretty, pretty significant part of it. And they definitely did want to come to some agreement, but I think with the Rangers cap constraints and Tyler Mott and his camp were probably, you know, trying to leverage a little bit more out of the Rangers because of how much they liked him and how evident that was. And he was definitely looking for a multi-year deal, but the Rangers just couldn't really swing that this past off season. So unfortunately they had to part ways. Tyler Mott ended up signing a one-year deal, 1.35 million with the senators. Obviously it's, it's been a, a tougher year in Ottawa and suddenly he finds himself back with the Rangers um, leading up to the trade deadline, just like last season, but it's an upgrade for the fourth line. First and foremost, Julian Gauthier has to go the other way, and, and we can get into that with Larry in a little bit, um, just Julian Gauthier's Rangers tenure. But it's a it's an upgrade for the fourth line. It's an upgrade for the penalty-killing um, rotation. I call him the Energizer Bunny. That's just all I think of when I see him on the ice. He's just like this little jumping bean. He gets up and down the ice so fast, um, despite being a little bit on the smaller side. But he brings a lot of heart. He plays hard. I like it for the Rangers a lot. I think they're probably one or two pieces away from being a real formidable Stanley Cup contending team for sure. 
and the trade deadline will be next Friday. Uh, stay tuned for that. And Emily Kaplan on next week's Up in the Blue Seats podcast. But Molly, you know, another guy who's had heart is Igor Shesterkin, who carried this team last year. He's in a bit of a, a struggle here since the All-Star break. You know, the Rangers lose two in a row here. The first two-game losing streak since the end of December, December 27th to 29th, where they lost to the Caps and they lost a shootout to Tampa. Still 7-1-2 and two in the last 10 games. No time to really panic just yet. It's still early, but... Listen, Igor didn't didn't talk to the media, didn't talk to you guys after the game Monday, which is rare, is a sign of frustration, a little bit of concern. He, you know, his save percentage has not been very good. It's uh, 9-12, which is 19th in the NHL this season, under 900 each of his last four starts. He struggled. What's your impressions here before we get to Rupper of Igor's struggles? Listen, I think that everybody just needs to slow their roll for a sec and look at it big picture and really big picture. I'm talking back to his KHL days. Igor has set the bar so high for himself that anything less than otherworldly is going to seem like the sky is falling end of the world if he's not playing to that standard. But in any NHL career, it, for any position, you're going to hit rough patches. You're going to have tough stretches. And I think this season has has just been it for Igor. No matter what coming off of last season, I feel like it was probably going to be a bit of a downfall just because of how high the bar was set. And I think that people are kind of losing sight of that, that he's kind of playing like a regular average goalie. And, you know, that's obviously not what he's branded himself as. So I think that it just seems that much bigger of a downfall uh, but it's really not it's really just average goaltending and the ranger we don't know if the rangers can win with average goaltending which is why it's going to be incredibly important for igor to bounce back come playoff time but knowing igor's competitive spirit and knowing how high of a standard he holds himself to i expect that when the games are at their most important and when winning a Stanley cup is on the line that Igor will be able to tap back into that otherworldly play. So I think that everybody just needs to take a deep breath, take a deep breath because I understand how this could seem like the end of the world, but um, it's really not. We'll just have to see how it unfolds further, but I think everybody can just take a step back. There's plenty of time before the playoffs for Igor to find his game again. If there's a time to struggle, it's February. It's not April, May, and hopefully June for these Rangers. So just deep breaths and remember this team is still in great playoff position. They got a big lead and everything will be okay. Everything will be okay next as we are joined by Mike Rupp right here on Up in the Blue Seats. Yeah, obviously excited. Um, you know, had a little bit of a taste of this this locker room in the city last year. Uh, just excited to be back and, and hopefully we're ready for another run. Um, obviously, what I wanted to leave open as long as possible. Um, I enjoyed my time here. Again, really excited to be back, back with this group and just excited to play. All right, we're back here on Up in the Blue Seats podcast. Jake Brown, Molly Walker with friend of the program, Mike Rupp. You can catch him on MSG Network. He's been in the studio on the pre and post games, intermissions. He's done the calls on the radio as an analyst on ESPN Radio New York. You could catch him on the NHL Network. You could catch him on the That's Hockey Talk podcast, former Ranger and a Stanley Cup champ with the Devils, Rupper17 on Twitter. Uh, we were saying, you know, earlier that your account is going to be busy. You got a lot of W two to submit, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. It's uh, a lot of different 
people, who do you work for? Uh, where do you want me to start? So that's uh, <laughs> kind of how it goes. But hey, solid sweatshirt game. Let's get those out right away. We got oh, the mm-hmm. in the trash. We had to represent for Rob. You guys, <laughs> you guys are speaking to my heart right now, both of you. So I love it. Good stuff. Some late night eating Doritos, some uh, early days playing for the Thrashers. Uh, the Rangers are proving they're human, Rob. I mean, a two-game losing streak, it hasn't happened since the end of December. You know, everyone's talking about it, and Igor struggles. What's your impressions here of the Rangers' recent play? Um, I'm not overly concerned. I mean, I, I think that actually, even though they were hot uh, as far as their win-loss record, um, there were some games. I say this in a positive way, though, because there's a lot of teams that can't do this. There's a lot of games I feel like they kind of eat their way by, right? Like they found a way to win, and it kind of caught up with them. So, uh, you know, it's but I'll give them credit for doing that because there's a lot of teams in this league that I think people deem as being a contender that they can only really win when they win outright and you allow them to win. They control play all those things. So, um, listen, I, I, I'm i not concerned with them. I, I want to see how they respond. And uh, but they, they've been on a, a nice heater here for uh, for a good stretch. We've been doing a lot of talking off the ledge, but switching gears to something a little bit more fun and positive. I feel like we got to do some trade deadline talk, especially because you've just been cracking me up with the day 13 of the devils needing Timo Meyer. So let's start there. Shall we? <laughs> yeah. I've been taking some heat from Ranger fans. Oh, too. Like, really? Like, you know that they're playing us in the first round. Right. So here's my thing. Like, so obviously I'm working, you know, NHL network. So I'm, I'm not supposed to be favoring any teams, but I, I do every team I played for, I went to win, <laughs> right? Like, so, but I, but I, but I separate it, especially with the teams that have players that, that I played with, right? Like you want your former teammates to win. Like I want Chris Kreider to hoist a cup. Um, you know, I've, I've watched Chris Letang and, and my, he's my roommate in Pittsburgh. I watched him do it. And it's, I don't know, it feels, it's cool because you care about them. Right. So, but at the same rate, I separate all those things. Yes. I know, put it this way. I think the Devils will get eaten up in the playoffs if they don't get the Timo Meyer. I think they're an undersized forward group that I think the Rangers have had some troubles with, but come playoff time, when they control the middle of the ice a little bit better, the, the Rangers, it's going to be tough for, for the Devils. So I'm just sprinkling out there. If you guys want to do anything in the playoffs, you got to have Timo Meyer on your roster. He's still, from what we hear, I spoke to Elliot Friedman last night, still says that they're the front runners, um, but they haven't gotten permission yet because a lot of this is going to be contingent on an extension and no one's gotten permission yet to speak to uh, the, the player's agent. So yeah, I just been having fun with it on and oh, because you know what I take it on, I take the heat on the other side too. They're like, you were drafted by the devils. The devil's fans are all, the devil's fans are so ticked that I'm doing MSG with the Rangers. I'm like, guys, can't we all just get along, man? Let's right? give us some good hockey. You, That's you got bills to, to pay too. I mean, come <laughs> on. No, but I'll, I'll tell you from my point of view, I look at it. The Islanders go and get Bo Harvitt. The Rangers go and get Vladimir Tarasenko. The Devils have to do something, right? But why do you feel like Timo Meyer is their guy? I guess theoretically, they don't have to do something because they're ahead of schedule, right? Like last year's Rangers team was ahead of schedule. Maybe it's a little bit like the same thing. Is it you don't want to tell the players, the coaches, the GM of the Devils, this is you're playing with house money. They're going to be like, yeah, right. Like we, we want to win right now. But this is all part of how these guys experience 
the playoffs, how they manage it, what do they learn from it. Um, I, I don't see the Devils as being a contender to win the Cup. With that being said, you could just go in with the group you have and you can really evaluate your group, you know, and, and kind of see what maybe you need. So it's not a knee-jerk reaction. You're like, yeah, I don't think they're in the market for a rental, nor should they be. They shouldn't go get a rental. Timo Meyer right now is a rental, but the idea is they can trade for him if they can re-sign him. And his age, I think he's 27, getting him long-term, it might create some issues otherwise, but this guy's a stud, right? Like this is a guy that um, can do a lot of things. So yeah, they're on the clock. Uh, the Rangers have done theirs, uh, done their things. I love the Tyler Mott move. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that move. I think Vlad is Vlad has... 41 goals and 90 playoff games. I, I was like, wow, that's a lot. So I started looking up just maybe in the last 10 years, players that have gotten a significant amount of goals uh, or gone on um, deep runs in the playoffs. And, and and not not a knock to the Leafs, but you know, Austin Matthews not in that conversation. He hasn't played in enough games to get that goal total up that high. But the guys who have, the only guys that I found that are ahead of him in, in the last number of years, Ovi, Braden Point, who I... Phew, you talk about playoffs. I mean, he's incredible, right? And uh, Nathan McKinnon. And then it's Vlad. So, like, he's a gamer come playoff time. So, they got their guy. I think the Devils and the Hurricanes are both on the clock. What are they going to do? Because every player that keeps getting pulled off the board has been rumored to go to Carolina. And they haven't done anything yet either. I feel like the East is just getting so more and more loaded every day, but it's very exciting and fun. I mean, you basically answered my next question about Tarasenko and Mott, your thoughts on those deals, but I'll I'll go into another one. We got a question. I'll I'll tag it it with something else. Sure, go ahead. Um, I I like this move. It's funny because here's my thought. I'm not sure this move happens without the Heedle, Lafreniere, and Kako line getting back together and showing pretty much like you want this line together for the stretch. So now they've come in and they've established this is something that's set right here. This is bang. So now when you look at it from that standpoint, then you look, all right, however you want to – I hate saying second line, third line, whatever, but we'll call them the third line. So then when you look above them, all right, right, if those guys are situated there – now we don't have that luxury or, or we don't ha- we're not moving laugh up or Kako up or you still can do those things. But you now need you another look, guy. Yeah, you had you had good row and, mm-hmm. and VC. Yeah. So now it's like, all right, well, we, we should probably do something because they're not slotted appropriately. Right. So the Vlad thing comes in. And then I love it because you can now I love it for the power play. Power play, like you, it's a different look. It's a lefty. This is a righty laden power. For the play. first time in a while since yeah, the DQ right? like, days. <laughs> yeah, like the the only lefty on the power play consistently is Crides, and it's not really like a lefty option for a one timer because he's net front, right? Like so, I think that it, it it keeps everybody on their toes because you you have to defend it differently. One power play in a game, you might. Nazi Vlad out there. It might be the the four righties in in Crides, but then you might get Vladdy out there, and and like you see Heedle getting a chance. Like it's it's it, they get some options here, and then Tyler Mott's just one of those players. I I, I put a lot of onus on uh, this team went on that run last year. A lot of the reason was because of the depth pieces, the the cop, the Vetrano, the the Mott, our Mott was dinged up, but yeah, you know what I mean? Like it was the depth guys who kind of got him over the hump in a lot of uh, a lot of different ways. So you don't want anyone else. You're done if you're Chris Jury, you're done making moves, uh Rupp. You do you think there's uh no, I want someone else. 
Okay. I want someone else still. Uh, I still want someone else. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, I find it very intriguing though. And I, listen, I know Chris Jury and, and the the staff understands all these things. But for me to see that O'Reilly deal go down for Toronto and and Nola Chari going to Toronto and then seeing Minnesota come in the picture. And, it, and, and, and when the first reports came out, it said Minnesota is taking on some salary. I'm like, Minnesota has no cap room. They haven't had cap room forever. But then you start figuring out, all right, if they take on 25% of the prorated cap of Ryan O'Reilly, it was 75 grand. I'm like, oh, well, almost any team can afford that, or a lot of them can. So then you start figuring, all right, well, how does this work? And then that kind of spurred on some cane talks again, right? Like as far as as, as far as the media. All right, well, if they can do that, they, they certainly if they could bring a third team in for Patrick Kane, I mean, that would be incredible. I don't know if I see that happening, but I, I, I Barbashev, I think Barbashev would be incredible. And he and, and if you're paying uh you know, yeah, a portion of his deal, uh, I, I think that'd be good. I, I guess the point being is VC, I I really like Jimmy. I like I like him uh, as a player. He can be used in a bunch of different situations. But I think if you are looking at solidifying each line, the one line that hasn't been solidified yet is the fourth. The fourth is kind of up in the air for me. If you can go Mott, Goodrow, VC, fourth line, and you get another person up there to step in, now you're cooking with gas. Like I don't think there's another four group that, that would be better. One hundred percent. I mean, you're you're touching on all the right topics here. I am curious. I mean, like you said, it's no secret what they do need. They could go for another top six winger or I I think even a four four C, too. I know Goudreau could fill the four C and that makes them such a longer lineup, but it would be nice to be able to have the flexibility with Goudreau, too. But I feel like we've talked so much about Patrick Kane on this show and so much about Patrick Kane in general. I'm not sure if it's on the table either. But it is, like you mentioned, possible financial-wise with a third team probably. But I'm just curious your perspective on the prospect of Kane to the Rangers. Do you think that it's a, a move that would be beneficial for them? I, everything depends on the asking price. Um, right. I feel like Chicago's asking price is huge so right this now. is this is not any insider information this is just my this is my my opinion on watching what has transpired and we can go off the comments patrick kane made when the tarasenko oh yeah those too. were those were interesting <laughs> you have to pay attention to those and it's not too often we hear stuff like that i think patrick kane only wanted to go to the rangers and what i think happened was the blackhawks were like Okay, but here's our price. And the Rangers were like, no, we're Absolutely not giving, not. We're not giving you Heedle. this guy. Or yeah, we're not having some of these guys in this conversation. And so I think Patrick Kane was sitting there for all that time. And he's like, you know, because publicly the team is saying, Well, we want to do what Patrick's been, you know, his he's gonna have a statue here. His name his jersey's gonna be up there. We want to do what he wanted. We're waiting on him to come. And I think he's sitting there getting annoyed because he's like, I told you where I want to go. And and again, this is where I think it went. So I think Patty Kane was ticked off when Tarasenko went there because he's like, I told you guys and I want to go there. In, in, in Dallas, everyone's talking about the rumor of Dallas. If he wanted to go to Dallas, it would have happened probably already. It would have been done. So I think Patrick Kane's sitting there. He's ticked. And now we're seeing what he's doing on the ice. Yeah, the hat trick the other night. 
he scores that one that doesn't count it with it, the winner is the in closing regulation last night. Ridiculous, by the way. Ridiculous. <laughs> it would have counted. It would have been unbelievable. But I, I think he's sitting there like he's ticked off at this process. And I, I think there's like this ploy between the team doesn't want to be the bad guy getting rid of the fan favorite. And they're trying to like, and, and they just muddied it up so much that the thing that he wanted to do is not available. So again, to you, it, it's probably still available. I don't know what the asking price is. I mean, the, I think the Rangers probably put in a call, but I don't know what, what, what the response would be. No, I definitely feel like Chicago is looking for, for the Rangers last first rounder. And I think they probably want to see if they can get like a Filipino, which is not going to happen at this point, because that's just creating a hole in the lineup. Like you said, Oh yeah, you can't, you can't subtract from this lineup to do that. And you're not going to subtract from the center ice position for a winger. And then the other part that throws a wrinkle in it too, is that unfortunately with Jonathan Taves illness, that he's unable and not going to be moved. So you have these two guys, franchise guys, whose numbers will be retired, and you need to garner something in return, and one guy can't go anywhere. So now it even puts more pressure for them to deliver something on Kane. It's just a sticky situation. Yeah, Chicago is definitely in a, in a rough spot right now. We got a question from a fan, I think, last week. Rangers versus Devils in the first round. Who do you got? As we sit today, I have the Rangers. Definitely. And I'm not saying that because of the jersey over your left shoulder, Jake. I'm, I'm, I do believe. <laughs> I, I will say this, though. It's going to be a tough one because I, I don't think the Rangers match up that well against the Devils. The Devils' speed is a problem for the Rangers, I feel like. But I also think that looking back at last year's playoff run for that team, we saw what Jacob Truba turned into. We saw what Ryan Lindgren turned turned into when they eat up the middle of the ice and take that away the devil's team is just a perimeter team because they're not very big so i think that they know that that is this the secret sauce is that they've got to do that and i think last year's experience i mean you can look if you're looking at roster builds it's not even close the rangers roster build is so much better but the devil's you can't underestimate they are having a special season like they are a good team that gives teams fits so uh, I would pick the Rangers right now, though. Do you feel like the ex- the experience factor also comes into it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. it has to, right? But then but I, don't, I talk myself in circles on this one. <laughs> because then I also think that there's something to be said about teams that have inexperience and are naive to the situation. That was the Rangers last season. Yes. Put, put it this way. You think Jack Hughes is going to tighten up in the playoffs? You think Jack? This kid is the most... I say this in a, in a torts in a torts way. Torts would use arrogant in a positive way. We always say arrogant is a negative. I'm saying it's in a positive way. He's the most arrogant NHL player I've seen in a while. He ain't gonna shy down for anything. So he's not gonna back down. He, he like these. I don't think until you experience the playoffs, sometimes you don't really know. You don't know what's at stake. So at times it's almost freeing to play with inexperience. You know what I mean? So it can go both ways, but yeah, I think I'd probably lean more towards the experienced players, the ups and the downs, not to, you know, you have a stinker of a game or a turnover, like you got to park it and move on. The Rangers, they experienced all that stuff last year. If you're watching this on video, your backdrop symbolized a lot of things. Like you have Rangers on this door, Devils on this door, Kane <laughs> stays, Kane goes. You could choose the, you know, the devil on what's like the direct TV commercial, the devil on one shoulder, yes. angel on the other. Um, you were a guy that got how many times did you get traded during the season in your career? Do you remember? Um, 
twice. I think it was just twice. Uh, no, three times. Three times I got traded. That's a good amount. Like, right now there's 25 games left. Like, what is that adjustment period like going to a new team? Because it's not an overnight success. Tarasenko had some luck first, you know, first game, first goal. That rarely happens. What is that adjustment period like going to a new team and getting acclimated? Well, it's tough. It's tough, especially when you're going to a team. Uh, two of the times I got traded in season, I went to a non-playoff team. So that was a little bit different. And But when you're going to a playoff team, a team that's already good, and you're trying to figure out – that's part of it that I don't think people fully understand too. It's like you, you try to fit in, obviously, on the ice, and you want to play in situations and why you were brought in. You want to thrive in those areas. But it's also a social thing too, right? Like I've switched teams. When I got traded from the Rangers to Minnesota, like I'm a pretty vocal person in the locker room. And at times, like maybe it could be too much. And you don't want to go to a team, a new team, you can't just flex that right away. They're going to be like, get this guy out. What? You know what I mean? So you got to go in there. You got to find, you got to get to know everybody. It, it takes a little bit of time. That's why I think the earlier trades are done, the better. And you get a little more, and even the Tarasenko deal, like those extra, what that was done, how long ago now? Probably 10 days ago. Yeah, a little over a week. Yeah. So uh, we got nine days left. So you're talking like 19, 20, almost three weeks. Those three weeks are huge. And he had a road trip out of it. You know, he was out travel Western Canada. Like these are good things. Like like last second trade deadline. Next thing you know, you're playing 15 games in the next 29 nights. You don't have you're not time to think. Trying to survive, man. So it's it's tough. Uh, I don't. uh, I was fortunate enough that I didn't have to. I I didn't have the responsibility of you know getting traded and scoring, uh, being asked to score goals, and not. I, I had a pretty. I don't want to say simple role, but my role was to work hard and be good defensively. So, I mean, I can control that, right? Like it's the other things you can't control bounces offensively. I don't envy those guys. Mm -hmm. I think a pretty underrated thing about what Chris Jury has been able to do at these two trade deadlines is bring in guys who have pre-existing relationships and friendships in the locker room, not just regular connections, but like genuine friendships. You got Andrew Kopp with, with Jacob Truba. You got Tyler Mott coming back to the same locker room, Vladimir Tarasenko with Artemi Panarin and Nico McCola with Capo Caco. Question, did you have good friends in the locker rooms that you got traded in, into, and did that make it an easier transition for you? And do you feel like that's a, a pretty underrated thing that uh, Chris Jury was able to pull off these two trade deadlines? It No, yeah, I've had that. I mean, when I went from the Rangers to Minnesota, my one of my closest friends is, is Zach Parisi. So I was able to go there and, you know, because like I said, I, I'm a vocal. They, they brought me in there to be a vocal locker room guy but you still can't just come in there guns blazing. So when I have a guy on their team, that's the assistant captain kind of vouching for you, maybe he doesn't even have to say anything just to know that we're friends. Then it's like, Oh, he's okay. You know, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's a whatever. And uh, so, yeah, no, I think that that's big. And I actually think that's really big when you're talking about international players and it, it's so big. I mean, the cultures are so different in a lot of ways all great group uh, groups of guys. I mean, you, you still, it's a melting pot on these teams, but you know what? Sometimes it just feels good to speak your native tongue, you know, like sometimes it just feels good to, I, I will say this very important thing. And it's the most NHL locker rooms, only English in the locker room though. Okay. Really? Then, yeah. Cool. Cause you, you <laughs> well, cause then sometimes you'll hear like, rah, 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 
No, 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 no. Mike, <laughs> yeah. I, know you're, I know you're talking about me. You, know I mean? you can't do that. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, I, I think that's an important thing because I think guys are, guy, we think professional athletes are so confident, pretty fragile in a lot of ways too, where you, you hear a different language and you get an eyeball. You're like, what do you say? And you're talking, you know, and then it starts creating a problem. So anyways, got a little sidetrack there, but so inside the room English, but it feels good for these guys. Like the, to have someone from, from their native country. And, and I think those are very under a great point by you. It's, it's a very underrated nuance of these trades. Is the current Rangers team as constituted ready to win a championship right now? Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be, it's going to be difficult. I think we're going to see them tested in ways that we haven't seen them tested even last year. The the East is the best I've seen it in a long time. I mean, when you're talking about what Boston's doing and I'd have to say just because I can't unsee what I saw through the first 40 games, Boston should be everybody's favorite. As far as who you think, if you were to put money on it or something, I probably Boston. But then when you start sitting there thinking, I mean, I don't know a lot of if some people are thinking that no one can touch Boston. That's not. No, I Tampa can beat Boston. Carolina can beat Boston. The Rangers can beat Boston. Boston doesn't scare me if I'm the New York Rangers. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning maybe do because in that situation, you have a goaltender that's as good as your goaltender. You know what I mean? Most most times you could look across the ice if you're the Rangers, be like, oh, we got the best goal. Yeah, we have the we have the advantage in goal. You could argue we got the best defenseman in the series, and Adam Fox. When you look at Tampa, Victor Hedman is pretty good, and he does it a little differently. And then you could say, oh, well, we've got uh, you know we've got uh, you know depth scoring and 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 pieces in this forward group that that I like better, and Tampa can answer that too. So that 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 to me is the one scary one. Uh, but as far as what you're saying, Jake, these, this team, absolutely. It's not a far-fetched or a pipe dream for this team to win a Stanley Cup this year. I totally agree. So in the same breath, who is your Stanley Cup favorite right now? And why is it a team in the East? Because it just has to be. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I said this a while ago. I said this a while ago because I, I still, if I had to put all things aside, and this was just me sitting there and wanting to make a, a prediction. Tampa, I think, is going to be really tough. Right now, I think Tampa, and I think I'm in the minority of that because I don't think there's many people that, not, not that everyone knows Tampa's good. Like, I'm just saying, I think it's a lot of Boston, Carolina. I don't think the Rangers are getting enough love in that conversation. I don't think so either. And I don't think Tampa is either. And if they're between those two teams, one team made it to the, well, both teams made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Tampa's been to three straight finals. Like, it's weird that they're not getting that kind of uh, street cred, but maybe that's how it should be, right? Like, they want to be uh, uh, the underdog. But uh, Tampa, for me right now, I would say, and they always pull off a move you never thought they were going to make at the deadline. And it might be one you're like, oh, Joe Schmo. Oh, they got him. That guy is. They three end goals up being year. great. Yeah. <laughs> that guy had three goals this year. He'll have he'll have five goals in round one. You right. Know what I mean? that, that, that's the stuff they do. It's interesting. You said you know Boston's not a problem. Rangers haven't beaten them yet, but they beat in Tampa. I mean, it's regular season doesn't mean as much, but that is an interesting line. There are some crazy people on Twitter, and I could end the sentence there. And it's just a fact: there are crazy people on Twitter. <laughs> uh, but there are crazy people on Twitter who are like writing off Igor, or say he's really not that good, or. He just had luck last year. I mean, it's limited people, but there are crazy people. 
What is your message to Igor through these struggles? And did Hank, when you were there, ever go through like a little slow stretch and you said something to him or or you saw him change something or, you know, they benched him and, and then he got better? What, what's your message here to Igor? I just, I, mean, I don't have, I think for goalies of, of that caliber, you just, they are there for a reason. They have figured things out before. You leave them alone. <laughs> you let them do their thing. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think Igor needs uh, words of encouragement. I think he just needs to, in his own brain, figure out what what's maybe off a little bit. And, and when we say off a little bit, it's because the ceiling's been set so high. I you know think I mean? uh, verbatim, I just said that verbatim. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it know what it's equivalent to? It's like, uh, oh, probably should joke around about this, but we used to take our, we used to take our baseline testing at the beginning of the year for concussions. Right. And this was your baseline test. So if you got, a, if you got hit in the head, you have to take this test and you'd have to get better score on the test or equal or to better score, or you were not going to be cleared to play. I played with a guy. I played with a guy who worked, he tried so hard the first time that he felt fine afterwards and had no symptoms. He couldn't get activated to play for like, I'm talking a month. Like he couldn't, <laughs> like, he's like, I, I keep taking, I take the test every third day. I can't, I can't do it. I'm like, well, you set the bar too high, man. Yeah. <laughs> you thrown off a couple. I don't know. Like you're not, this isn't for a scholarship here. Like you, you want to give, you know, whatever. So it, it, joking aside, Eeyore set that bar so high, man. And I, I don't I don't think that people treat him fairly in that. I've also seen, you know, Hank smash paper towel dispensers in the bathroom between periods. You know, I seen him ha- heard screaming in the bathroom, yelling in the mirror. Like, you let him do his thing. He'll figure it out. He's ultra, ultra competitive. Henrik Lundqvist, don't let the GQ looks fool you. He'll rip your face off to win. You know what I mean? Igor's got some of that in him too. So he'll figure this out. He'll figure this stuff out. And, uh, you know, I'm not concerned about him. I'm really not. Speaking of bar and Henrik, I was at the bar watching you and I texted you a picture of uh, you in the red blazer and the blue pants. Very fly in the studio. How are you liking uh, MSG with the the pregame, postgame intermission? And have you worked with Hank uh, during one of those or will you in the uh, coming weeks? I have not worked with Hanky yet. Um, a lot of it do like for me to do radio, I might be even getting this wrong. Cause there's a lot of moving parts, but like when Hank's in, he's like across the street at the studio and then John Giannone goes across the street. So then they need someone to go between the benches. So Dave will go down between the benches. And then it opens up the radio for me. It's something, something weird like that. Yeah, so, no, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. So a lot of the times when Hank, when I'm doing radio, Hank is across the street in studio. So we haven't worked together in studio. You know, I, I it's just been me and uh, we haven't had, I haven't been on with another analyst yet. So hopefully uh, I'd love to do it down the stretch in, in the playoffs and do that stuff, but I'm loving it there. It's awesome. I mean, it's, it's first class. I mean, it, it's similar to what it was like in the league when I didn't play for the Rangers playing on MSGs. Like you're on a stage, you're, you're on you feel like everybody's watching you. It feels like it's the national hockey league. Not that any other places don't, it just feels like this is the pinnacle, I guess. So it, then when I played with the Rangers, I was like, it was a whole nother level. How cool it was to play at MSG to be a part of an original six team, like the Rangers and then now to be able to, to talk about them and and uh, give my opinion on air, it's it's incredible. It's a uh, top shelf through and through. 
Well, we love seeing a fellow Baldy there on TV. We're looking forward to hopefully seeing you in the playoff push um, at MSG. It was raucous atmosphere there last uh, last spring, and hopefully it'll be the same. You can follow him on Twitter at Rupper17. Catch him on MSG Network, ESPN Radio, NHL Network, the That's Hockey Talk podcast. Mike Rupp, appreciate you coming on up in the blue seats. Thanks, man. Anytime, guys. Take care. It's good to get him back and uh, played really well for us last year. So obviously we, we, we like the player. We like, we know what the player can do and uh, he knows our, our team and our system. So it's great. Good hockey player. And uh, again, he knows what we, we expect from his coaches and uh, he knows his teammates. So it's, a, it's an easy fit. All righty, great stuff there from the Baldy, Mike Rupp. And that wraps up episode 114 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz and the intern Josh Crawford for helping me produce the show. Andrew Hartz down in Florida getting some nice sunshine in. Very jealous about that. You can catch up on all episodes you may have missed by subscribing to Up in the Blue Seats on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. And if you're watching this full show, which you can do on the New York Post Sports YouTube page, click that thumbs up button. Show us some love and comment below. And I want to hear your comment based on my question here to Molly Walker, because I think COVID and being home a lot got me more emotional watching things. Now, I get emotional watching America's Got Talent auditions where someone has like cancer, but they have a great voice or something. American Idol, whatever it is. But All American, the TV show, you know, they killed off the coach, Coach Baker, and they killed him off the last episode. And this last episode, just so many emotions going through. The whole episode, I was near tears for, you know, a full 60 minutes. Is there a show that brings you to so much emotion that it feels like real life that you lost a loved one in your real life, Molly? Oh, that's a good question. I've watched Game of Thrones like five, six times. <laughs> um, so I think at this point, I became very emotionally attached to the characters. So sometimes certain scenes hit me harder than most. There's also this new show, Ginny and Georgia. I don't know how much of our fan base that are listening to this. I've seen that show, but that's also uh, pretty heavy stuff. And uh, that was probably the last show that that brought me to tears. So that, that probably my two answers right now. Game of Thrones and, and Ginny and Georgia. All right. There's our answers. Let us know in the comments your answers. What show gets you emotional? For me, it's America's Got Talent and American Idol auditions and All-American bringing me to tears. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Up in the Blue Seats. We'll be back next week. We'll drop an early week episode on Tuesday. It's trade deadline week, and we'll be joined by ESPN's Emily Kaplan. So stay tuned for that. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening to Up in the Blue Seats.